0: Today's coaching coordinator podcast. We're going to talk about quantifying things that you feel are important as a coach. And to help us un- uncover some of this and get into the details of it, is former NFL player and uh, CEO founder of Breakaway Data, Dave Anderson. Dave, it's great to have you here on the podcast.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me. Excited to excited to talk some ball. It's been too long. You talk too much data.
0: <laughs> well. I want to understand how you got to this point that you got involved with you know the data and the things that you're getting into obviously uh you have a a a football career uh spent some time in the NFL uh with uh uh with with a, a guest of four, you know a past guest of the podcast was a, a QC guy there just getting his start in Richmond Flowers um I'll I'll link Richmond's podcast to this but um you know some great experiences both in college and the NFL, and I'm sure high school as well. So uh, help us understand, I guess, the, the journey to this point in football that, that uh, brought you here.
1: Sure. So uh, I'm the uh, chi- uh, love child of an uh, uh, engineer that could run fast with my dad and a, uh, um, a free spirit my mom out here in California. And uh, I always had uh, kind of both of those run through my blood and that, um, you know, growing up, I was uh, certainly the son of an engineer and really good at math. And I was always kind of in the math mods and the math Olympics and the gate classes where I would go get, you know, finished PE running uh, all sweaty and stinky. And then I'd go to some weird community college class and take a math class about four, four grades higher than mine. So uh, I was always good at math and um, good at sports. Uh, ended up going to Colorado State, playing football there. Uh, skipped over some good schools to play real football, as I told my parents, uh, with Sonny Lubick. That was back in the day with yep. uh, Colorado State Thursday night football. Cecil Sapp, Bradley Van Pelt. We were you know beating the piss out of the rest of the Mountain West <laughs> back then. Um, got drafted in 2006 after a good CSU career. Uh, that was the Mario Williams-Joddy Bliss draft. It's crazy to think that was 15 years ago now. And, uh, let's see, played what five, six seasons there basically. Uh, last year and a half bounced around from, uh, the Texans, the Redskins, the Seahawks back to the Texans and then finished my, uh, yeah, with a couple, of, couple, of, couple of coffee on the Seahawks and Broncos. Um, and while I was kind of finishing up my NFL days, started taking the G mat and started, uh, wanted to go back to school. Um, Got my uh went back to school, got my MBA in data science uh, from the USC uh, Marshall School of Business out here. Did the whole two-year full-time program with the was was a humbling experience to say the least. Is um, I thought I was a pretty smart guy in a locker room, and then I got into a business school class and realized I was quickly an idiot. Um I didn't know how to string together a sentence or or write how to write any papers or any of that stuff. But you know, I was pretty good at manual labor. Uh, having played football that whole time, but that didn't get me far in school. The uh, But what I did realize is my experience of having played on the field and my kind of ability to understand and communicate data could be a pretty unique offering. Uh, Brad Pitt had just uh, finished uh, Moneyball, and everyone was talking about Moneyball this, Moneyball that. All the teams were trying to get involved, and at the same time, Uh, luck would have it, there was an artificial uh, intelligence company that came out of USC called Second Spectrum uh, that is now the official tracking uh, data for, does all the official tracking for the NBA and English Premier League. Um, They were out of SC. I came across them on campus. They recruited me. That was my first job out uh, out of business school. It was working for eventually the you know, biggest tracking company in sports, uh, but it was just six of us working out of a Starbucks back then, and um, well, you know, that's kind of how my whole data analytics career started. And I think what I always tell people about tracking data, uh, especially, is uh, to, to oversimplify it, it. It measures space, and every sport at the heart of uh, at the heart of every sport is about creating or taking away space. Whether you're James Harden in a step back creating space for a three. Whether you're a left tackle blocking an defensive end trying to create space for your your quarterback or or whether you're messy uh who's you know going left, right, left, right in order to get a little space to get off a shot um every sport is about creating it or taking away, and uh what tracking data is allows you to come up with some pretty cool measurements of ability uh before that, a statistic just tells you what happened uh you know Dave scored you know twenty points or had six catches. Uh, But what you could now use with tracking data, say Dave's uh, had six catches while, you know, being open less than one foot or Dave scored 20 points while uh, being wide open in corner threes. So it adds context to information. And that's kind of how my career started is just like uh, down that track on on how can we use data to help, uh, you know, communicate value to players, uh, uh, value to teams and, and value to fans. And if you do that right, I think there's some pretty cool opportunities.
0: Yeah, and that's something that we see really coming to the forefront here—the uh, analytics portion of this. Now, I know, you know, in this particular audience, we've had a number of coaches come on and talk about the analytics that their teams use, right? Making decisions on when to to go for two or when to go for it on fourth down, or or you know how many possessions are left in a game, et cetera. But you come at this from a, a different approach in in helping build a team. You're looking at it from the individual athlete. Standpoint and collecting data that way, and and I know you know a lot of teams still they do this. I, I can think back to um, I was doing some some contract work for the the Browns scouting department um, probably six or seven years ago now, and I was looking at receivers and on any single play of any game I was breaking down. I think I had somewhere between twenty five and thirty different data points that I was entering in for every single receiver uh, who, who I was studying. Right. And so, um, you know, what do you do with all that though? As, as you start to get all these data points, as you look at, whether it's looking at film or some different physical attributes or measurements that you get from a player, I guess, you know, for the, the coach today, why is that significant? And, and where do they start?
1: Yeah. You know, Really good question. Super curious. Who who ended up at the top of your list?
0: (laughs) You know, I I never knew what they did with the data. I was just the (laughs) I was just the input guy. Um, But I would say, you know, know, I
1: I almost would have made that list. I I had I I had
0: Sammy Sammy Watkins was in there, and I think DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. And and I know uh, Brian Hartline was one I studied, and uh, it it was crazy because at the time, all of the film was not high resolution, so it was literally. You know, looking at okay, who who wears you know? Uh, you're looking a, at all 22 a, and you're a wristband break down. and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was trying to figure. Yeah. You couldn't even see numbers on some of the film, so uh, I was uh, appreciative when yeah. I got to the Ohio State film. It was it was it was uh, some high high def film, <laughs> and it helped me a lot. Made it go easier. But yeah, I, I have no idea what they did with it. I just I could see and, and start to understand a little bit of, of why they would do that. But you know, I never got to see the results of it.
1: Yeah, the I guess you could say that the start is always kind of what does a coach emphasize on the field and what kind of uh, athletes and players is he looking for. Um, the best coaches, in my opinion, uh, build their system around what talent they currently have available. The Bill Belichicks of the world, uh, the, you know, I, I can say the co- coach Kubiak and Shanahan, they build the system around around what athletes and players they have. They don't expect, you know, a, a skinny left tackle to to be a north-south uh run uh put his head down and, and 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 smash people in the run game they don't expect uh short little rod receivers they always play on the outside and jump over people and catch balls and, and so they build their system around their players so that's kind of why I always where I always start is what system do you coach and and the best thing that I've noticed about football I played in a bunch I don't think there is a wrong system I think there's a wrong system for a player But I don't think there's a wrong system, you know. I mean, you talk about analytics and stuff like that. I think the failure is not realizing that people play all different styles of football and win. I mean, De La Salle, when I was in high school, still ran basically the wing tee and never lost. And so, who are we to tell them that they should change because they should go running, you know, run and shoot and five wide? They don't have, they didn't have the players, they didn't have the system uh, to support that. So, I think the first step is like, what is what is your system? What are you coaching? What are you teaching? What are you preaching? Uh, in there in the locker room to get your players to 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 play uh, play hard and, and and to to emphasize uh, what you're doing. So you start there, and then you start measuring what's important in my opinion, and that's kind of where the analytics kicked in, right? If if you're if I'm asking Keith to break down a uh, film, then I would assume that I'm asking you to break down things that I find important, whether it's a receiver's ability to get off the line of scrimmage, uh, create separation at the top of a route. Uh, catch balls in certain areas of the field or contested balls in the red zone, whatever it is that, that, that our coach finds important, you would assume that maps back to the way they attack a defense. Right. And so uh, I think that's, that's what you need to do is make sure that all of the data and the analytics really map back to what you emphasize as a coaching staff. Um, And then you can really drive deep, deeper and deeper and deeper into some very individual and some very specific things about your players and happy to talk about that. But I, I think it always starts that with culturally, uh, are you measuring the things that are important? Because there's an old saying, like not, uh, not everything important can be measured and not everything measured is important. And so like, you got to make sure you get that right. Otherwise, uh, what's the point, right? You can you can measure speed of your players in the open field. But if if, uh, if you play uh, third grade soccer type football, you're never going to get it in the open field. So it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, it's... And there's you know you mentioned some of those things and i have been doing a a series here both on the podcast as well as writing uh some articles about it too and, and understanding you know the guys that you have and and it changes from year to year especially you know when you get into situations where you can't recruit but even in in some of those situations where you do recruit um understanding what you're trying to do that you know if you have a bunch of guys who are a little bit more, you know, stout in their build and can roll their hips, but, you know, aren't moving very well, you're, you're probably looking up front at an offensive line that's going to go for more vertical distortion than it will horizontal. But as you mentioned, you have that, you know, athletic, rangy tackle, you know, that might be a guy that you reach and use to run, you know, the outside zone or, or something to that effect. So the understanding of, of that, Begins to, I, I believe in what you're saying, you know, here's the things we're looking for as far as measurables and if we're going to be able to do this. Right. And and again, sometimes even when you do have those situations where you recruit, you might find out you're a little bit what you know more suited to uh, tweaking things and, and doing them a little bit different from year to year, even though the the basis might stay the same in the playbook, there might be a, a focus more one way you know, to a different part of the playbook, uh, essentially.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you, you hope that you can, uh, what was the old phrase about like Miami back then? We don't recruit re-, re reload or something like that. USC or Miami used to say that, like you hope that you can find players that were similar to the ones that just left. Uh, but that always, that doesn't always happen, right? Whether, um, uh, you know, that player felt uh, that young player felt intimidated, didn't want to go to that school. So he went to a different school, whether he knew there'd be an opportunity or whatever it is. I just really think that 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 is, that's why people, when, you know, sometimes they hear I'm talking data or analytics are like, Oh, you're one of those people who thinks coaches are going to all be replaced by computers. I don't, that's not further from the truth. If anything, I think there's going to be a bigger emphasis on the EQ the emotional aspect of, of, of motivating players and of coaching than ever before, because you're going to have a lot of information at your fingertips and, 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 and competing on X and O's is going to get more and more intellectual and harder, but you'll, you'll be able to still win just having guys that want to play hard. And I think a lot of coaches forget that, right. Is they, they, they either they lose a locker room or they lose some key players that aren't uh, practicing hard and and that's what's causing losses. It's not that they, you know, aren't diagramming good plays on Friday or Saturday.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, in in looking at this and and let's just take, you know, any particular position and, you know, say we have a coach who wants to start to get involved in this and in looking at his players and, and what some of that data is telling him, I guess, what's the starting point? And then, you know, bridging that into kind of where you guys come into the play and some of the things that you're able to do, obviously with, with your technology and, and your platform.
1: Sure. I'll, I'll give you a good example from June Jones and the XFL, uh, cause neither of them, I don't think are employed right now. Um, the, uh, the XFL, uh, when they started, when they were, you know, kicking back off last year, um, wanted to measure uh, player attributes. What was in, they wanted to measure? How how good is, are these guys at playing football? We know they're not going to test well in the combine, so let's start measuring what they're good at. What what makes them good at football? So then we go to June Jones and say, okay, June, what makes a receiver good? And he's like, it's their ability to stop and start. Great. So let's measure their ability to stop and start. So let's take a GPS device, something that a lot of college teams and a lot of high school teams have now, uh, that's typically measuring load or you know speed or you know number of accelerations or whatever it is, and rip it uh, and, and design a drill, and have them run that drill with the device on, and then measure their ability to stop and start. And so for a receiver, all we did was have them run hitches whip routes or twister routes or whatever you want to call those, uh, deep overs and uh, crossing routes, right? And so we measured their ability to run those routes, their ability to stop and start, their ability to accelerate and, and to get open, right? And so then we racked and stacked their ability to do those and gave them back to the coaching staff, and that's how they drafted players. So if you think that from an individual perspective, maybe that's not what you need out of your receivers. You're looking for something a little different. If you can find a device that's measuring something like that, that's when you we come in, right? We're the data scientists and the nerds who work with raw data, but come at it from a football perspective and help you measure a drill, ideally something that you're already doing so you don't have to teach it. It's just, hey, receivers, we're running routes in practice today. You're just going to have this thing on your back. It's not like they're going to be like, you know, like, oh, that's hard to do. They're just going to go run routes and then you measure it after and, uh, you're able to kind of, you're able to get a good idea of what these guys really do well and what makes them different than other receivers. And, and I think that's the key and you, you do that, you can do that position by position, whether it's pad level for offensive linemen, whether it's your ability, uh, to, uh, as a, as a linebacker to drop and react as a DB to turn your hips and run, um, quarterbacks the hardest position there's some stuff you can do around them throwing the ball with a connected football and uh some footwork stuff that's the hard but but you know that's a that's more of a mental position than anything but uh the other positions on the field you can certainly measure their, their the quality of their movements and what they do uh according to their position and, and you can give back some good scores and not start to understand are these guys well positioned and if they are how good are they
0: does, you know, we were talking about receivers, does that kind of data apply in the box as well? I mean, you know, we we lived in an era where what, what was offseason development for, you know, especially linemen, we threw them in the weight room, and that's what they got, right? They weren't out there throwing the ball around and, you know, doing all those other things. Now we see a lot more training and development in the offseason. Um, but where, where does that measurement come in for the guys who are playing on the line of scrimmage?
1: uh so okay so for defensive line we measured a a defensive lineman's ability to get off uh get off the line of scrimmage to to get you know get out of his three-point stance and how quickly and how uh how much force he could hit a bag after uh, completing like a a half a loop so we're basically trying to see how quickly he could get into an offensive lineman and once he gets into an offensive lineman how much force did he have right there's because you don't want to favor skinny guys that just are fast and say, here's our best defensive end. And you don't want to favor fat guys that can just knock someone over. Ideally, it's somewhere in between. And maybe you don't have some guys in between, but you got to figure out who what you have. So measuring something like that. Now, if you take that, you can turn that into a development plan. Maybe not just that one score, but you can turn a couple of those things into a development plan, saying like, okay, uh, he does have amazing force at the point of contact, but he doesn't get off the ball that well. And he doesn't have the ball that well uh, on his, his left side as goes he on his right side. Well, let's, let's take a look at that. You know, maybe he has some asymmetries in his legs. Um, maybe he has had some issues with, you know, turning his torso left or right. Let's really take a good look at him and, and, and develop a personalized and come up with a personalized development plan for this guy. That's my whole goal. really is more personalized development for players. I think you see it every now and then in sports. Uh, football is the best at it and that we have a position coach per position and they should have a personalized development plan. The problem is football is a really hard sport to measure uh, because there's so much context that you don't have, right? I could, I could be wide open, but if the offensive line didn't block or the quarterback didn't see me or the, the defensive end tipped the ball, I don't get it. So it's, I don't, I don't get extra credit for being open, even though I don't get the ball. So uh you really have to come up with creative ways to measure the game of football. The other sports are a little easier. Soccer probably uh, also difficult context wise, but you can measure, you know, how they create space. Basketball a little bit easier because the ball's in in play so much. And like if you have, if you're guarding the ball or have the ball in your hand, you can, you know, directly kind of quantify ability, but football, uh, there's 10 guys doing really important stuff that never touch the ball. And 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 uh how do you measure those things and and that's uh that's what we try to help teams understand.
0: So in in projecting this ahead, we're already there in a lot of places. Even as you mentioned at the high school level we see teams you know using some of the player tracking devices et cetera. So uh, that technology as it, it scales um it becomes more and more affordable. Uh this isn't just a, a fad it's it's not going to pass. So um, there is a future in understanding how this fits into what you do as a coach, uh, where do you see this going, and, and what do you think the timeline uh, to get there is? And and I have one more question. I'll follow up after you answer those two.
1: Yeah, I think you know what the the best part about what I always love about high school football is there's enough freedom to invent, and you could try new things uh, there's a lot of like, I mean, we used to run the fly sweep in high school and it took what nine years for that to make its way to the NFL. And so there's like plays and things that you do in the high school game that eventually make their way to the NFL. And then there's also technologies and player, uh, data and information that they get the benefit of, 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 of waiting to come downstream. And just like you mentioned, a lot of that stuff is, is getting cheaper and better and faster and more and, and, and more and better quality. So the NFL and college is going to filter stuff out that eventually gets to high school that'll be a lot more usable. When you talk about personalized development plans, the NFL is going through this right now, right? Major League Baseball probably the best is there. There's you know guys like Trevor Bauer and all these guys who go get all this testing in the off season and are the best. Uh, have the have four, five, six, seven years of data that follow them, and they knew how they've been developed they're going to take that stuff and give it to college uh, pitchers. And college pitchers are going to take that stuff and give it to high school pitchers. And So that's that information on how to properly develop and how to throw a fastball for, uh, harder and how to, how to keep your arm from falling off. Like that, that stuff is going to make its way down similar to, to um, in, in, you know, basketball and also uh, football as well. we will be, we'll have a lot of information on how, you know, Deandre Hopkins, uh, you know, played, you know, 15 years or, or, or how, well now how Tom Brady played looks like into this, you know, 46 years old or some, I don't know how that may one will never figure out, but who knows? Uh, but you'll have this information on, uh, on how to do things like that and eventually make its way to high school. Uh, so I think, you know, wait a, a year, you know, two, three, four years, there'll be some really interesting informa- uh, things to help high schools out. But um, I would certainly start with uh, better understanding your system, what you're coaching and codifying your system um and what that means is like what plays are you running what type of athletes are you typically using well uh really understanding yourself because then when data and technology comes along you can apply it better
0: and so for that that coach i mean you kind of got into it a little bit there that coach who uh, sees the value in this and that it is is coming um i guess things he can do to prepare for it and and even you know start doing it maybe on a on a, on a, a low budget basis right now?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think also what, what, what's kind of what younger players and, and coaching staffs have the benefit of it was a lot of these guys grew up playing Madden and they understand, they inherently, you'd probably through osmosis, understand data and visualizations. Whereas like I was the last group that was kind of like, what? I, like I didn't have a, cell phone till my till till I got to college. I remember it was still like 10 cents that sent a text message and my mom basically killed me after my sophomore year of college. Um, but like that 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 is gone. So now everyone has is more of a digital native. They understand data. They understand information. So a lot of these kids can input things themselves. So there are things that kids can input about practice, input about their weight programs, input about their games to to allow you to even qualitatively start uh, measuring things and to start understand what uh, what it is you're asking these kids to do. So the first thing I always tell people to understand from an athlete perspective is load. Uh, load is, people typically say how hard is your practice? That's load. The the, the issue is, and, and this is my biggest kind of pet peeve with data science and sports science to date, is Michael Jordan played in every game. David Robinson played in every game. Akeem, every game. And sports science hasn't told us that that we can get these guys to play in more games more often it's telling us to rest them. And I have an issue with that. I, I, Cause I do think overload is important to loading. So like to making sure your players are ready on Saturday, doesn't always mean not practicing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes it means practicing even harder in order to wear, and in order to allow their body to tear down so it can ultimately build back up again. So like really understanding player load and what, your what your what your type of practices asks uh, the uh, uh, ask the body of the, of your athletes to do is some interesting stuff on where to start and you can do that qualitatively just through questionnaires after practice they could fill something out um, they can get in the weight room and put some scores shoot my, my old weight coach used to ask what my zfl was for every day my zest for life where 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 did you land every day before practice and after practice and you start looking at those trends and then you map that back to how your practice was you can really kind of start preparing yourself for data and whatnot. Like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't use GPS devices on my offensive lineman on Thursday because it's their toughest day. I'll use it on receivers where it's their easiest day. We'll measure, we'll measure something uh, interesting there. So you can always do some cool things to prepare yourself, but I think understanding what you practice, how you practice, and and, and the effect that has on the, on your athletes is, is a great place.
0: So I'm going to ask you the question I ask of all the coaches that I, I bring on this podcast and, you know, when you look at, you know, you, you've been there, you've played. Um, you've played for good coaches. Uh, you now uh, are in the sports science and the data, all these numbers, kinds of things. We look at, at football in general. What's the, the one thing you feel, regardless of all those things, that really gives guys the winning edge? What is it that is the winning edge in football? You know, like, I never,
1: I never won as a team, I think. Uh, which is one of my biggest regrets kind of in life because I'll never be part of a football team again. In high school, I lost in the semifinals of state. Uh, In college, uh, we won the Mountain West, but we didn't win our bowl game. We weren't national champions by any means at Colorado State. In the NFL, I never – I played in one playoff game, and it certainly wasn't from a lack of effort on my part or or whatnot. Um, So it's tough to say, like, individually – uh, what is it that separates you and helps you win, which is why I think football is such an amazing sport, right? In, in, in soccer, you can have one guy that changes the game, same with basketball and football. You really can't, maybe you can with a quarterback, but he uh, still needs a lot of guys around him. Um, I would say the collective uh, effort, when you can get that right, uh, you have something special because you can still outwork teams. You can still grind them, grind them down in, in, on a field, and, and that—that's the part of the game I always loved. Was like, you know what? There, there's there will be times when you're more talented or less talented, and you're just gonna lose no matter how well you practice or whatnot. And that's the case. But you know what? That that's that's them's the breaks. But when you're when talent is close enough you can grind out a team and beat them. And I think that's just something that I think coaches, what is the winning edge? It's just the, the willingness to grind and the willingness to work. And when you can motivate your players to do that and, uh, and keep them focused and, and, uh, and and get them to collectively work and grind, I think you can do some special things.
0: It's great stuff that you share with us here today. Uh, you know, I, I think we're only scratching the surface on this and certainly would love to pick the conversation back up with you again in the future. Uh, where can our listeners learn more about you and what you do?
1: Hey, you can hit me up on Twitter anytime, David, uh, David Anderson 89, uh, at David Anderson 89. You can look us up, BreakawayData.com, uh, uh, LinkedIn, uh, all, all those things. I'm, I'm always interested in hearing from coaches how we can help uh, with small, discrete problems. We have big things that we can do for coaches, but we're really trying to help you know, professional, college, and high school coaches better uh, understand and use data because I think uh, the more the merrier, in our opinion. Uh, once uh, a lot of cool things are invented in the high school space, like I was mentioning, so we're all ears and uh, we can figure out a price point that works for anyone. I mean, we're we're excited to be in ball and uh, and uh, I'll be a lifer, so you don't have to worry about that.
0: Well, it was great catching up with you here, and uh, again, love to hear more from what you guys are doing in the future absolutely have a good one thank you again for listening to the coaching coordinator podcast please if you are enjoying the podcast head over to itunes or spotify and click five star for rate if you have a minute write a review it really helps the podcast check out our new home for the coaching coordinator podcast that's at coach and and follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski